0: welcome to the forensic nutritionist podcast my name is fiona tuck i'm a nutritional medicine practitioner and a qualified skin therapist for over 25 years the forensic nutritionist podcast takes an investigative approach into all things nutrition gut health and skin using qualified experts to bring you information that you can trust we are all unique the information presented herein is not intended to diagnose, to treat, or cure disease. Please seek professional medical guidance prior to modifying any diet, exercise, or lifestyle program. Let us begin. On the podcast today, we have Sue Broderick. Sue is a yoga teacher and a yoga therapist. She works in a cooperative of yoga teachers on the northern beaches of Sydney. Sue runs group yoga classes, yoga retreats, yoga for corporate groups and she also provides one-on-one yoga therapy. Sue's just back from a yoga therapy conference in Amsterdam and she's passionate about the benefits of yoga therapy for a range of health conditions, injury rehabilitation and pre- and post-operative care in clinical health. Care settings. So thank you so much for chatting to us today about yoga and how it can affect our our gut health or improve our gut health, should I say.
1: Yes, happy to be here, Fiona.
0: Well, you and I met um, actually studying yoga and um, a few years back now, and I think, I'm not sure about you, but for me, I think studying to be a yoga teacher was probably one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life. But at the same time, probably one of the most rewarding and one of the things I probably felt that I, I grew the most from on a sort of a, a personal and, and spiritual level. Can you share with us, a little bit about your background in yoga and what made you want to go into becoming a a yoga teacher?
1: Sure. Um, I had much the same experience as you, Fiona. (laughs) I will never forget (laughs) it. (laughs) I know. Look, it was, and, and, you know, you and I both chose a fairly intensive yoga teaching course, a 500-hour course. It was very intensive, but so rewarding and really great for our students because it gave us a much broader knowledge of what yoga was. I think a lot of people see yoga as the physical side of yoga, the poses, the asana. And as you said, it it really grows you spiritually and in a lot of other ways. You get an increased awareness of your body, of your reactions to things, uh, so it affects your mental health. It's a very holistic approach to managing your own health and well being. And I did come to yoga through injury. Uh, it wasn't really a spiritual quest, and sometimes people come to yoga because they're searching for something. Uh, but I came because I had injuries. I was a pretty active person and was well into middle age when all this happened and realised that I really wanted to keep up the activity because I knew the benefits to my mental health from being quite active. And so I wanted to keep that up, but I needed to do it in a way that wasn't going to exacerbate existing back injury and shoulder injury. And I just thought, oh, yoga seems fine because it doesn't seem too strenuous. And so trotted off to just any old yoga class I came across which I would not recommend. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but eventually, I found a yoga teacher who taught in a style that suited my physical limitations and restrictions. And gradually, I got physically stronger. But also, as you said, Fiona, there's a real impact on your mental health. Your you reassess your whole lifestyle. So Ooh. from what you eat, you know. Um, how, how you react to people, uh, yoga essentially is about relationships. And so you'll often find people who do regular yoga will say, my relationships with my partner, family, uh, even you know people that they come across that they don't know, those relationships are much better than they were prior to them doing yoga. So it does have an impact on, many different aspects of your life.
0: Absolutely. And I I think a lot of people do look at yoga, it's become a very trendy thing to do, I guess. Um, And a lot of people do look at it as a a way to become more flexible or to um, increase movement into their lifestyle. But I think sometimes we do forget that, that mental aspect to it. And for me, I think that was one of the most profound and and powerful things about yoga Um, it taught me to be more more mindful and as a result to to really sort of slow down and and question everything in my life in a good way and um i found it to be an extremely positive experience on on all levels but i think when we're, we're looking at at yoga um we can we can include yoga for so many different conditions, whether it be physical conditions, injury recovery and, and even mental health. But I thought something we could chat about today, Sue, because it's such a relevant and um, popular topic at the moment is Gut health. You know, we see so much information out there about gut health and particularly on diet and what we can do to improve the gut via diet and changing the diet. But I guess something that is less spoken about is the effect of yoga on gut health. Can you share with us, you know, what do we actually know about this area? Is there much research on yoga and gut health and the improvements it can make?
1: There is increasingly so, more research. It's not an area that I guess people were attracted to. As you said, the focus on gut health in Western, in our society, is actually fairly recent, really, of ha- that brain-gut um, connection. It's kind of fundamental in the Eastern medi- medicine traditions, In Indian in Ayurveda which is closely linked to yoga or in traditional Chinese medicine but in Western medicine not so much. So the research is in terms of yoga's effect on gut health or gut uh, issues, diseases, conditions, it's is pretty sparse to be honest. But there is a study that I looked at that was specifically on irritable bowel syndrome. But as we know, IBS sufferers can suffer a whole range of symptoms and they're not necessarily all the same with every person who's diagnosed with IBS. And also some of those symptoms other people may suffer from who aren't necessarily diagnosed with IBS. So it could be bloating, it could be um, constipation or diarrhea, uh, all kinds of symptoms. And there's an increasing number of people, in fact, I think it was something like 12% of people seeing gastroenterologists, and this was in the US, were diagnosed with IBS, which is a pretty, high percentage
0: that's
1: huge yeah and this uh one of the studies has showed that most ibs sufferers tend to be women they don't say i don't think there's ever any um, research into why that is but
0: probably because we're more stressed i reckon
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes we're we're juggling everything in everybody's lives um yeah so more women it tends to be Uh, people within the 20 to 45-year age bracket, interestingly. And also in this particular study, and this was 100,000 people in this sample, like this was an extensive study, it showed that 94% of those IBS sufferers also had associated other, either disorders or other symptoms. So things like headaches, anxiety, um, fibromyalgia, fatigue, maybe even depression. And so, and maybe even sleep issues. So in this study, when they had a control group and then they had their yoga group, a lot of these other symptoms were relieved because of the effect that yoga has on anxiety and stress. So the effect of yoga on the central nervous system, also on the autonomic nervous system, which is a whole other area that is suddenly being looked at in Western uh, scientific research, and that is on the vagus nerve and... Uh, there's Stephen uh, Porger's work on polyvagal theory, which I don't necessarily want to get into right now. That could be another podcast for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> polyvagal theory. Um, but there's a, as much as there isn't so much research on the link between yoga and gut health directly, there's a lot of research and evidence-based research on the effect of yoga on stress and anxiety and the effect on the nervous system. And so when you start to look at the effect on the autonomic nervous system, which is that part of the nervous system where we don't have to make a decision to breathe. So our respiratory uh, system, our heart rate, you know, our heartbeats we don't have to think about that. And also our digestion and our metabolism. We don't have to think about now I'm eating and in three hours' time it's going to be moving through my, you know, intestinal tract. We don't have to consciously think of that. So that part of the the nervous system is, is still affected by stress and this is the new part of research which is really interesting, is how much stress and anxiety affect that part of the nervous system and not just the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system where there's a huge amount of of evidence showing that um, the, well, in fact, people who have gut uh, issues will often have a heightened sympathetic nervous system, which means that their heart rate will go up very quickly, blood pressure, breathing will be quick and shallow. Uh, and also their digestion yeah Uh, and so and that's why those symptoms occur when you have those kind of issues so the effect of stress and anxiety is pretty much well and truly embedded in the research it's just that how it affects the gut is something that's kind of being looked at just recently
0: Mm, I think I think it's really sort of multifactorial and obviously what we can what we eat can affect the gut. There's a, there's a, you know, there's a lot that's going on there. Um, But what we do know, even in Western medicine is the massive impact that that stress can have on the gut. And we do know now that there's that vagus nerve connection. We know that um, what's happening in the gut can also affect our brain and how we respond to um, stress and anxiety. So it's really interesting that although increased stress and anxiety can affect the gut, if the gut's out of balance, that can actually increase the stress and anxiety, which I find exactly. quite, quite fascinating. And I think looking at traditional medicine, you know, the Ayurvedic lifestyle and traditional Chinese medicine, it's always been about incorporating a holistic approach and not just looking at one area, but looking at the whole of the body and how that all interacts. And I think, you know, in the West, we're a little bit behind on that, but we're just slowly beginning to, to look at that. And I think the, the role of of stress and how it can significantly impact gut health is, is huge. Do we know how yoga in itself actually helps to reduce the stress in the body?
1: Well, there's, A couple of ways primarily through breath work yeah so even in studies in research that may not have used yoga there are some studies that have just used breath work so breathing deeply from the belly that sends um it, it triggers neuron messaging to quieten the nervous system to calm it down so breathing is an integral part of being able to regulate and manage those physical uh, sensations or reactions that we have in terms of heart rate and blood pressure, etc. The breathing helps calm that down, and in yoga, yoga is all about the breath, and that's where you know at the beginning, Fiona, you alluded to people thinking yoga is pretty much another type of exercise routine, which is, you know, pretty common. A lot of people in the West go to yoga thinking it's another form of exercise. But the difference between going to uh, the gym or doing other, other forms of physical activity in a group sort of setting is that usually there's very little attention to how you're breathing when you do that. Whereas in yoga, the physical movement and the breath are really closely related. And also, we might spend, so in my group classes, increasingly so actually, because as a yoga therapist, I'm becoming more and more aware of the power of breath work, much more than the physical side of yoga in helping people manage their symptoms or just their overall health and general well-being. So this breath work, we might even sit and do, I don't know, in an hour and a quarter class, we might do 15 minutes of regulated breath work. And it's it really calms people down. It's very powerful. So that is what yoga brings to the table, I think, in managing these symptoms that you know unfortunately some people experience
0: absolutely and i think with the breath work in yoga that can be a crucial part that some people can maybe let's just say they're going to a a yoga class but maybe aren't aware of the importance of the breath so when we're moving we're moving with the breath but also that in importance of even just having that that sit down time that quiet time the pranayama where we're actually just sitting and breathing and quite often yoga classes a good yoga class will actually start with breath work to actually um focus on the the nervous system and um the parasympathetic nervous system and you know quietening everything down and i i think breath work for me was something that I use in my day-to-day life, even if I'm not, not actually just doing the, um, the yoga poses, but if I'm doing something where maybe I've got a big presentation or I can feel my heart rate going up, that's when I'll, I'll turn to the breath work. And it's incredible what a difference it actually does make in actually calming the mind, the heart rate, and just slowing everything down. It, it's quite,
1: quite incredible. Exactly, and you've given a great example of how we can use that off the yoga mat. And, in fact, I had um, a client come to see me who had been referred by their gastroenterologist, actually, so there was gut issues even though they couldn't really come to a diagnosis. However, that specialist, I think, decided that this that stress and anxiety was really increasing this particular person's symptoms and suggested they do yoga without really directing them to any particular type of yoga yeah and when she walked out she just saw a brochure and fiona funnily enough it was the brochure for one of our retreats sitting on the the bench at the reception and so she contacted me she said i don't want to come on the retreat but do you do you know one on one yoga so I had sessions with her and we did concentrate on breath and relaxation and she did exactly the same thing. She, she had to go in for a lot of tests, which are quite invasive, um, various, well, you probably know more about this than me, Fiona, but endoscopies and various other things. And one of those, and she usually got quite stressed. So as you say, sometimes going through this whole process, uh, in the health field can be quite stressful. And after one of the tests, she said to me, oh, it was, it was the calmest I've ever been because I did my deep breathing whilst I was lying on the trolley about to go in to have this particular procedure. And I thought, oh, well, there you go. So even though, you know, we're not, we're not curing um, diseases or conditions here, but we're helping people manage those symptoms that they have, and look, sometimes those symptoms can disappear, but quite often it's a chronic condition. Sometimes, and also the reasons for people having these conditions can be genetic. It's not necessarily things that they have total control over, and yes, they can manage their symptoms through diet, through medications. You know, the complementary. Uh, Complementary medicine and things like yoga are used in combination with a whole lot of other things that people need to do in their lives to manage these conditions. Um, but yes, but it's it's certainly something that you don't just want to say, well, I'm going to my yoga class and so I'm going to do you know relax and be mindful. You want to be relaxed and mindful whenever you need to be. In your life so those are the tools that we want to equip people with that they can go away and use these wherever and whenever they're needed
0: absolutely and i think you know the breath work is such a crucial part of yoga but so are so are the actual yoga poses um, i know myself um when i am doing yoga regularly and practicing regularly pains go away, you know, I I get gallbladder issues and and back pain. And that completely goes when I'm focusing on yoga poses to actually help with that. And I think probably a lot of people don't realize that yoga poses, it's not just about stretching and and balance, you know, poses are actually or that the asanas are actually designed to um, support specific organs in the body and specific meridian channels that run through those organs. So they can actually be um, therapeutic to health conditions as well. So in that regard, we can not only affect the nervous system, but we're also helping to support the the actual organs of the body and and work on the stomach and the, the large intestine on certain poses to actually help to support that. And that's probably something that people don't know because in a lot of classes, the students aren't told what the pose is actually doing for them.
1: Yes, exactly, and and on the other hand, too, Fiona, sometimes teachers will assign miraculous things that yoga poses are doing that you have to go. Like, really, I'm, <laughs> yes. you know, I'm becoming. There's there's sort of a growing movement of, of skepticism in some of the things that were were kind of accepted law in yoga. Um, but I do, you know, I agree with you. The, the physical aspects of yoga can be really helpful to help alleviate some of these symptoms with gut issues. You know, bloated, feeling bloated, if you're sort of, or distended in the stomach area. So if you start to do some movement of the organs are moving, but also that abdominal visceral area is moving when you do twists, when you stretch, So getting into these different poses does have a direct physical effect on that part of the body Um, and as does, you know, any exercise. I mean, you know, if people just sit, it's like when you've had a big meal and you're just sitting for a long time and you have this this urge to get up and, oh, I just need to go and walk, you know, or to stretch. So there's definite um, contribution of physical activity to helping these, you know, our digestive system and all these systems, all this stuff that's going on that we don't know about when we're just sitting still. There's still metabolism happening in our body. And so this kind of movement, we're designed to move and to be able to help that. And that is, a you know, that's another positive um, about yoga. And also you touched on to the mindfulness aspect. So one of the good things about yoga generally is that you become more body aware. So for people who do have these symptoms or maybe are even suffering from, you know, Crohn's disease, some chronic conditions, and they've got to manage this for a very long time, if they become more body aware, they're able to tune into their body and then react and give their body what what it needs when it needs it. They're also able to communicate better with some of the health practitioners that they're dealing with. So when a health practitioner says, how does this feel or what happens at a certain time after a meal or whatever, people are just more aware of the sensations in their body because most of us in our hectic lifestyles are living very much in our heads and intellectually. And we've lost that ability to really tune into our bodies. And and quite a few of us, you know, and I was like this myself, it would. I would have to be in severe pain before I realised anything was wrong. I, I didn't notice any signals my body was giving me until you're flat on your back, you know, unable <laughs> to move with back pain. Um, it's just something that's that's evolved in our society and the pace that we live and the the emphasis we place on intellectualism as opposed to being aware of physically what's happening in our bodies. So I think yoga also contributes in that way, in that we become mindful and body aware. And also it is a discipline. You know, we do yoga regularly and that is another good way to manage symptoms is you get into the habit of doing things that are good for you on a regular basis basis and then you start to look at other lifestyle factors so people who begin to do yoga regularly will then start to look at their diet they become more aware of what things are affecting them adversely when do they feel good the amount of exercise their social interaction so it has quite a broad uh, you know broad benefits for people's general health and wellbeing. And you can relate that specifically to people who do have gut symptoms, gut issues.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, the better you feel about yourself, the more then that, you, you know, it's that cycle, the more you then want to take better care of yourself. Um, and it can have the opposite effect. You know, if you're, if you're not feeling great about yourself and then you, you're less likely to sort of try and do positive things for yourself. When it comes to yoga, I mean, there's a very strong Ayurvedic influence in yoga. Um, How deep can we get into that? Because I guess if you're going to a regular yoga class, um, maybe not one at a gym, but you're going to yoga and they're doing breath work. but not often is that the Ayurvedic um, philosophy discussed during those classes. Um, Where does yoga therapy fit into that? Is that something that would incorporate more of the Ayurvedic traditions? Can you tell us a little bit, because you've gone on to study yoga therapy, Mm. so can you explain a little bit more to us about what that is and, and what's involved?
1: Yeah. So... With yoga therapy, yoga therapy is done one-on-one, which is how traditionally yoga was taught. It was one-on-one. It wasn't in groups. Group yoga is a very Western construct. There are lots of advantages to to group yoga. I think socialisation is one of them. So I'm not suggesting that group yoga is not good for you. I think it actually is. But one-on-one yoga is able to, well, it's therapy. It's really yoga therapy. And it's like going to a physiotherapist or an occupational therapist. Whatever therapy practices result from that that you go away with are tailored to you as the individual client or patient. So it's a much more individual. Uh, it's individualized for you. It's it's also a practice that you need to take away with you and do yourself. So it's about therapy is about the person taking active control and responsibility for their own health and well-being by being disciplined enough to do this. So when we go to a physiotherapist, and I know I have done this over the years, you know, they'll give you exercises to do. And for the first two days, you're out there doing those (laughs) exercises. And then after a while you forget or you think, oh, can't be bothered today, I'll do it tomorrow. And you know, so we've all been there and, and done that. But with if people can think of perhaps visits to those kind of therapists, yoga therapy is very much the same, but you're just using yoga tools to develop a practice that somebody needs to do pretty much on a daily basis to get results and so when I say we use yoga tools it's very much bedded in yoga philosophy so when a client comes to me there's a couple of different frameworks I can look at within yoga philosophy I'll give you an example of one because there's there's just three elements to it so it's fairly easy to talk about, and that is uh, the gunas. So the gunas um, are three. There were three gunas, Sattva, Rajas and Tamas, and they're states of being. Traditionally, they're elements that are within everything, so with that, within us as humans but also in our food. Every element is considered to have these three gunas. So I'll just quickly go through them. So sattva is about harmony, contentment, uh, creativity. So it's considered to be kind of what we really aspire to, to be kind of level, contented, harmonious. The rajas is the energy, super driven. You know, so if somebody comes in to see me, I might see that they're very um, that you know they're active. They might be a little agitated constantly on the go very passionate about things and then you have tamas which is the third element which is pretty much um, inertia you know stillness uh, maybe indifference lack of energy and so if I'm using that as a framework and I, I look at people and I think well okay I might have two people who have exactly the same physical symptoms. Let's say they have, um, well, let's say they have a gut issue. So let's say they've got IBS, they wanna manage the symptoms. I might have one person who is constantly on the go, corporate work, high flyer, driven, very little time spent looking after themselves. The other person who has the same condition might be in a quite sedentary job, doesn't move around a lot, um, might be slightly even overweight, and just has an excess of that element. So these two people have the same condition, but they're going to be treated in a very different way. So the the person with the rajastic tendencies, who's very driven, I would probably, and this is just a very big generalisation to illustrate, but you might give them more mindful relaxation, things to calm them down. The other tamasic type of person, you might up their activity. So you still want them to be relaxed and you want them to manage their stress, but you might say do some yoga or it might be go for a walk. So I... I don't necessarily give people yoga poses necessarily to do. Sometimes we do, Uh, but I look at the whole person. So as a yoga therapist, when they come in and they fill out, you know, their form that tells me about their condition, I also have questions about how would you rate your energy level? What is your sleep like? What would you normally eat in a day? Uh, What's your activity level? Uh, do you live alone? Do you live with people? what's your job? So we're really looking at the holistic approach to that person's health and well being, and we do it within a yoga framework. So that example I gave of the gunas is just one yoga philosophy framework that you can work with that draws in on that very ancient tradition that's you know thousands of years old. That is a very holistic approach. Now, if I thought that a person really needed to change their diet, because I'm not a dietitian or nutritionist, I would probably suggest they go and see a specialist in that area. So I might give some very general dietary advice, but you know, if I'm not an expert in that, I'm not going to delve into that. I would rather pass them on to somebody who really knows more about that.
0: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think with the yoga therapy, it's it's really um, good to clarify that it is a personalised um, form of yoga that that you design for that person, whether it be through the asana, diet, lifestyle, um, maybe mm-hmm. not so much diet, but you're actually personalising it for each individual. Because I know some people do. Offer one-on-one yoga, but that might just be to teach them yoga. It may not be in the form of yoga therapy. So I think it's it's good to clarify that if somebody does want that kind of um, advice and that specific yoga designed for them, that that's when they would actually look for a yoga therapist. Um, Exactly.
1: Yeah. And Fiona, we're also, you know, because I'm part of the Yoga Therapy Association, we're, we're trying to introduce yoga therapy into clinical areas, into health clinics, into surgeries, hospitals. It's very, it's much more popular in the UK and possibly in the US in certain areas than it is here in Australia. But that's gradually changing. As people in the medical profession understand the benefits that yoga offers, and so we yoga therapy will more and more, I think, be more prevalent in those clinical settings and be a part of what is offered to people, along with you know the other therapies. And it's like um, exercise physiologists. You know, I have a client who was going to an EP um, but I, and I actually didn't realise that. And then she showed me what the exercises the EP had given her and one of them was exactly the same thing that I'd given her as a yoga therapist. Very good. Good to know you're on the same page. <laughs> well, we're on the same page. But also then we can work together. So Absolutely. If, yeah, so, and and this was a person that, look, I saw them one-on-one, but I've been seeing them for years and it started off more as yoga and then kind of morphed into yoga therapy. So eventually I actually got her to give me all this information that I would normally ask somebody who walked in, you know, as a first-time client, (laughs) and then discovered this. So um, but what I would then do is I might even contact that EP. So anybody who is... Seeing other therapists, and that's what I, I ask, I say, are you seeing, you know, any kind of specialist or doctor or other types of therapists? Because sometimes we can then contact each other and work in concert with each other for that patient.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think so, it's also, it's also good to note as well, you know, a lot of people, and I think you mentioned it earlier, may go to the doctor and the doctor says, go to yoga, maybe for a specific injury or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's far better to see a yoga therapist who can really focus on that person as an individual rather than somebody join a group yoga class with an injury that may not get that one-on-one attention that they need and could potentially do more damage than harm because I have seen
1: that. that Exactly, Um, exactly. And
0: something else that you mentioned, Sue, which I think happens a lot, um, when you were talking about the gunas and the different sort of um, traits of, of people and their personalities, what I, I do find interesting is if maybe somebody is a, an A-type personality and is very go, go, go and has been advised to do yoga, quite often those people will will find that doing a slow or, or gentle yoga um, is just too too calming for them and they will choose more of a high-intensity yoga, which may not be the best yoga for them. And quite often the ones that need more activity, um, you know, the, maybe the kafa type of people will automatically want to go more for a restorative or a, a yin type yoga, and they may need more more movement. So I think it's, it's interesting that um, people tend to go for maybe not always what they need. Um, and that's when actually speaking to someone to know what type of yoga would be best is good because, you know, we were talking earlier about yoga being good for the, the nervous system, but some types of yoga may actually have the opposite effect of having more of a stimulating effect, can't mm. it?
1: It can. And that's it's, it's probably an opportunity to talk about the different types of yoga yeah. because... Doctors, and and, you know, this particular example I gave of my client, the doctor was, you know, out of all good intentions saying, go and do yoga, not being aware that there are so many different types of yoga out there. And as you say, some yoga can actually exacerbate some of, you know, conditions that people have or injuries. And there are... a lot of different types of yoga. Even I can't keep up with some of the (laughs) types of yoga that are out there. But maybe it would be good for your listeners to just get an idea of the different types of yoga and roughly kind of what they're like. Um, So they can choose. You know, if they go to a studio Mm. gym and they see all these different names of yoga, they've got a little bit of an understanding of what they're looking at.
0: Absolutely. Um, Yeah, it can be very confusing to to know
1: what it is. So, for example, hot yoga or Bikram yoga, very popular. A lot of young people come into yoga through Bikram. So Bikram is essentially hot room yoga, so they artificially increase the temperature of the room. And it's a flow. It's a lot of movement. So people come out sweaty, like they've had a big workout. So, you know, when you were talking about those people who are like A-type people they're going to love that <laughs> you know, because and
0: Bikram's even hotter than hot yoga isn't it i mean yes. i mean yes. Bikram even yeah. has carpet on the floor to absorb yes. the sweat it sounds disgusting yeah. actually but um yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. never been a great never been a great fan but you know i do understand where um it's it's almost like an entry point for younger people in a way, I've discovered, um, just in talking to other yoga teachers and just looking at what's going around. And some of those people will, out of curiosity, and if they're getting some benefit from that, will start to explore other types of yoga. Some won't. Some will still see it as an alternative gym session. But, you know, so I'm, as much as, I would rarely recommend, in fact, never actually recommend anybody go to hot yoga, but then that's just my, you know, perspective on it. I, I do think, though, if it introduces people to yoga and particularly the a younger age, then maybe that's not such a bad thing and they can move on to explore I mean, some of the other... Like
0: the yeah. cleansing aspect of it, I guess, because of the sweating, but then you do have potential health risks of dehydration and too much sweating oh. and, um, and obviously injury if you're you know
1: in exactly that. and look and, and people can even young people can have underlying heart conditions that they don't know about mm-hmm. until they until they stress themselves so much that something happens. So yes, I it's not something that I would necessarily recommend, but I know is pretty popular. It's certainly not something if a doctor said to you, go and try yoga that would not be one of the yoga classes that you would just go off to to, to experiment, I would suggest. No. And and definitely
0: um, not for menopausal women.
1: <laughs> no, no, pregnant women, you know, like the list yeah. the list goes on. Um you in terms of active yoga, you've then got Vinyasa yoga, which is flow yoga. You have Ashtanga yoga, which is quite strong yoga. It's a very set actually ashtanga Um, again younger people quite like it because it is quite a strong uh, practice you are moving you're doing a lot of um, arm you know balance work It, it requires a fair amount of strength and it builds strength which is which is good it's also very disciplined in that you have I think I'm not an Ashtanga expert, but I think there are three series of Ashtanga. So whenever you go to an Ashtanga class, essentially it's going to be the same, like it follows the same path of poses. And for some people, that discipline of doing that same thing is actually very good. So Ashtanga Ashtanga is not one I would suggest for a beginner yoga either, Mm However, once you're a bit more experienced and depending on your physical strength and, you know, as long as you're pretty much injury-free, then it could be something that you could try. It does put a lot of pressure on your joints.
0: Yeah, and yeah. it's disciplined, isn't it? I mean, I know some yeah. people who do a Shtanga, get up at 4am to do it. Oh, yes. Mm. Yep.
1: Yeah. It's very much about discipline. And so for some people who lack that, that can actually be quite a good thing for them to do. But, again, it's a very physically strong type of yoga. So you've just got to be careful about how you manage it and you need to start in a beginner ashtanga class. Absolutely. Yeah. Vinyasa is a little bit more accessible for people. It's, It's flow and it's a lot of movement. But it is—it tends to be a little bit more accessible. But again, if you've got any sort of injury, I would suggest going to either a hatha yoga class or maybe even um, Iyengar or something that's classified as a beginner's class, basically, because then they're going to take you through the poses a little bit more slowly. They're going to show you how to align in poses, and hopefully modify where you need modification Uh, so anything you know mostly beginners if you if you're been told to do yoga by somebody or you want to try yoga out you've got a local studio look for the beginner classes so if you're not going to see a yoga person one-on-one which probably would be ideal to see a therapist first even if it's just for one session i mean quite often i will see people for maybe three sessions and off they go and they're You know, they're happy. They've got their personal practice. They know what yoga classes they should go to. um, And then they might come back and ask another question or follow up later on. But it's not like you need to see a yoga therapist necessarily all the time. On the other hand, sometimes I've got people who I see very regularly just because they feel they need to do that. But you can probably progress then to your group classes Um, but yeah, you really do need to start with beginner or get some advice as to what type of yoga would be good for you, given what's happening physically, mentally, what's going on in your life, you know, and what you're really after with yoga, you know, why, why are you going to a yoga class?
0: And then of course, there's the slower type of yoga where you've got restorative yoga and yin yoga,
1: which, um, Well, you're a yin teacher, Fiona. You can talk to that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yin yoga is fantastic. I find that a lot of men are attracted to yin because it's stretching. Um, I think there's a lot of Yin yoga available at the moment that maybe isn't traditional yin. Um, With yin, it's a lot of stretching, holding the poses for up to five minutes. Um, Quite often you're supported. But the purpose of Yin is to actually do the pose or the asana, um, so that you are also incorporating the Chinese meridians and those yeah. those energy channels in the body. So holding the pose actually helps to activate those those meridians. But I guess my my concern is that there are people out there teaching yin that may not be yin qualified. And so they don't have that knowledge of the, the meridian system. So really you're going to a stretch class rather than get the full benefit of of using those um, poses to actually work on the, the meridians and the, the different organs of the body. Um, yeah. Of course, you've got the restorative, which really I think is a yoga that is suitable for everybody. It's a deeply relaxing yoga mm-hmm. where... You're really just lying there, supported, um, very, very restorative and healing. But again, if somebody is very anxious or stressed, it may be a yoga, even though you're not moving and doing very much, you may need to work up to that because um, for some people being very busy and doing, you know, being busy all the time and then suddenly going to lie there and doing nothing then they become very aware of the busyness in their head. And for some people that can just be a little bit too much too quickly. So yes, um,
1: exactly. And also in some ways on the, the other side of the coin is that some of that restorative yoga and even relaxation uh, exercises in a in a normal yoga or not a normal yoga class, but maybe a half yoga class or a different type of yoga. Some people because they never stop and they never stop thinking, suddenly they're aware of their emotions. They're aware of what's going on. And that can be quite overwhelming yes. for people. And you've, you often find people have an emotional response after um, a relaxation and probably restorative yoga as well, where they're, giving them, they're allowing themselves the space and the time to really connect with how they're feeling. You know, it's not all in the head. And And that's,
0: that's the beauty of yoga because I think most of us these days will lose ourselves in social media, watch a movie, television. We might eat or we might drink or we'll do something to occupy the mind and we're almost forgetting how to sit, be still and let those feelings and emotions come up for us to be able to deal with them. And that's where yoga is so amazing. It allows us to do that. But in a way, we have to be prepped and we have to be aware of what yoga is doing for us to be able to cope with those feelings that are are coming up or the thoughts that are coming up and a good yoga teacher will be able to actually guide a a student through a class like that and, and let them become more aware and teach them about mindfulness because it is something that in a way you do have to learn otherwise Um, you just get this rush of emotions and feelings and some people don't know what to do with it. And I'm sure you have seen, as I have, you know, people in class can get um, irritated, they can get anxious, they can get angry um, and they can literally break down and and be a, Mm. a, you know, a mess of, you know, tears flooding Mm. in. So Mm. I think um, being able to support them is, is crucial to to support them through that journey of emotions, particularly if they've got unresolved emotions or grief or something that hasn't been dealt with. Yoga definitely can help you deal with it.
1: Exactly. And I think that's why yoga is becoming increasingly used. I've seen a lot of stuff coming out from the US on yoga for first responders Mm. and how that is helping uh, those people cope with the emotions and how they're feeling when because they're exposed to lots of situations that the average person, you know, wouldn't be. And um, so yoga is being seen as a way of, they're literally incorporating it into their daily activities. So whether they're paramedics or, and, you know, also for people who suffer from post-traumatic stress uh, in the military, those organizations are now looking and seeing that yoga can have some profound effects and can be really helpful for those people and it and it is all about dealing with the emotions instead of shutting them down and suppressing them which is kind of encouraged i think in our society because you want to you, you want to move forward you don't want to dwell you know if you dwell you're considered you know just snap out of it we're told you know move on <laughs> yeah and, and that is good we do have to keep moving forward but if you haven't dealt with what's happened before it's going to it's going to come up at some point absolutely yeah
0: and i think it's also i mean you know I could talk all day about yoga but yeah you can even and we, and we don't have time today but you know even no. then going to that next level of how the body can store emotions and energies and the different organs can be linked to different emotions. So if we don't get that out of the body, then it it can go deep and and we can internalize things and that can then have a knock on effect to our our health and well-being. So I think with yoga, there's so many different levels to it. It, It's so much more than just an exercise class at the gym. It's, It's a, it's a very deep spiritual practice that, um, I think it's just one of the most profound um, things that I definitely have discovered and I hope that we can share it with more people. But, you know, time is moving on and um, I could talk to you all day, Sue, but for those people that um, are interested in yoga therapy or maybe coming along to one of your classes, how can we contact you?
1: Right, so I have a website which is Sue Broderick Yoga and that describes all the different activities that I do and you can contact me through the website. So whether you want to check out a class or whether you would like one-on-one or just some advice, I also have my yoga retreats up on the website. Um, Alternatively, people can email me at suebroderickyoga at gmail.com and also if people are listening to this and they're not in sydney because a lot of people may not be local i would suggest using the yoga australia website to locate either yoga classes or yoga therapists there is a section there on yoga therapists to find somebody that might be in your area you can also contact me and i'm happy if i've got some connections because In my yoga therapy training, we had people pretty much around Australia, so I've got a few connections with people in other states as well. Um, So I'm happy to pass people on. But most of my classes are on the northern beaches, so my small group classes are in Avalon. um, And I either see people here in Avalon or sometimes I go to people's homes, very happy to do that. Uh, if that works, you know, if they've got a quiet space. Um, and, and sometimes that is quite good because they learn how to deal with what's going on in their house and, and fit in their, their yoga practice around that. And it gives me a nice idea, too, of what can work for them. So there's, there's a few options, yeah.
0: And I think, you know, just something to add on as well is that there's yoga and there's yoga, and not everyone is trained at the same level when it comes to yoga because there's a lot of very short yoga courses um so anyone really can be teaching yoga and they may not actually have done the most thorough training so just to be aware of that i think it's three is it 350 hours is the minimum um to be a, a level one yoga teacher
1: um that's a good question, Fiona. I'm not sure. I thought it yeah. might have even been less than that now, right? There, or or has been. There's, they're reviewing that. They're trying to get the qualifications so that yes, you can't have people who've done very short training courses becoming yoga teachers. The same thing with yoga therapists. And again, I would advise people to look at the Yoga Australia website yeah. because you th- that will identify who are level one, level two, level three teachers who are registered yoga therapists. Yeah. So that, that kind of is a good guide if you're really coming from, you know, a base of, of not knowing anything about yoga. Talking yes. to people, talking to teachers in the studio, looking at studio websites... Because quite often they'll do profiles on teachers and they'll talk about their qualifications. So really researching it, just as you would if you were going off to, you know, see any other type of uh, practitioner. Really. Yes, great do, advice. Do the same, yeah, do the same amount of research as you yeah. would you're going advice. to see some of
0: and, yeah. and referrals are, are always a good, are always a good thing as well. You know, recommend
1: recommendations. Oh, yes. absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. But just remember with with referrals from friends and things, just remember that everybody is different. So something that, you know, a friend might say, oh, I've been to this fabulous, you know, yoga session, this teacher is great, and then you might go along and it just doesn't work for you. So just I think referrals are fantastic, but just be aware that you are very, uh, you're an individual and this yoga is very much about, What works for you, yeah? Very
0: wise advice and um, a great point to make, very good point to make. Sue, thank you so much for your your time today. Um, As I said, I could talk to you all day and um, I'm sure we'll do another podcast because there's so much more to to cover when it it comes down to to yoga. But um, I'll put your details up as well on my channel. So if anybody is is wanting to contact you, um, they'll be able to find you really easily. So thank you very much.
1: It's been great chatting.